in everyone else's face, so it's good that I put one in mine. So anyway, I'm going to move around just a little bit. Thank you. So when Karen said, hey, will you tell your story, share your message, uh, immediately I went into this place where I started thinking, oh, man, it's got to be a certain length. I've got to make sure I have the proper scripture references. Do I need to learn some Greek? Do I need to do all these different things? And I said, literally, I couldn't get beyond that thought. And God literally was daily just putting on a back burner, putting on a back burner. Until this morning, literally this morning, I'm sitting at the computer going through these thoughts and how do I fragment my words and is this a run-on sentence and am I really going to get this point across? And it was like God was standing there like, what are you doing, bro? (laughs) Like, she didn't ask you to do all that. She said, share your story. Amen. And it was like, wow, just share my story. And all these other emotions triggered that made so much more sense. I started thinking about, you know, I grew up in a village in Ewing. My high school gym teacher is one of my best friends. Amen. People I went to grade school with, I still spend time with, 40 plus years. That's a story. Amen. I remember my grandfather having this one-on-one conversation with me. I can't remember, remember how old I was, but let me give you a little background. My grandfather was a bad dude. He, he would fight anybody. He was a union rep. He proudly wore his union colors. He was one of the first people of color to be a shop steward at General Motors. He was that dude. And he was little. And I mean little. Like probably five feet tall. But his personality and his attitude was huge. Just imagine that chihuahua. The chihuahua has no idea about how big it is. He just knows, hey, I've got a problem and I'm going to settle it, right? If, If they come across a bigger dog. That was my grandfather. And I remember this conversation he had with me where he told me, hey, look, and he wasn't that kind of guy to have those deep, meaningful conversations because back then, you know, his father probably never did it to him and so on and so forth. So him having this conversation with me was a big deal. One-on-one, he looked me in my eyes and he said, treat people how they treat you, regardless of the color of their skin. And him being the most powerful man of my life at that point in time, I took that to heart. And let me give you a little bit more background. So my mom is one of 13, third oldest. I grew up in a house, the youngest of seven. Two doors from where I lived were my maternal, was my gr- maternal great aunt, and three doors away were my maternal grandparents. So at any given time, there were dozens of people around. <laughs> I've got a cousin who's two weeks older. I've got a cousin who's two weeks younger. (laughs) And just imagine that dynamic. Now, I transition and I go to grade school and I meet all these other kids in this rural part of Ewing Township. And I develop these friendships. And a lot of these kids didn't look like me, didn't have the same background, but we're kids. So we just knew, hey, we played and got dirty and sound out ball. So we just enjoyed each other's company. That was one of the first experiences of community. Amen. And at that time, not all of us thought the same. We didn't do the same thing. We didn't dress the same. We didn't have the same bikes, God forbid. (laughs) But literally, we were all moving parts in this culture, in this community. At that time, it was an Antal school and then Fisher school. Fast forward, 
public school, I go to college in big city Philadelphia, and I meet a bunch of new people as I expand my horizons and learn about art and fashion and all those things. And I've realized that there's a lot of other people who think and felt the same way I did, who grew up the same way, and they're still my friends to this day. So after college, I think I'm prepared for the world. I come back home, I get a corporate job, I'm doing fine. Needless to say, that ends and I get another corporate job. Love it, doing well, married, got a child. We're doing all the proper things, following the particular steps that I'm supposed to do. I'm gonna ride this out until I retire. Then maybe I'll go get a spot on the beach somewhere and just chill out. Well, like most of you know, God never works like that. Um, I like to go back to this saying that, uh, you know what makes God laugh? Make a plan. <laughs> so that didn't work. I had some health issues, which um, you'll have to pay me to give you that presentation on what that was like. So I had some health issues, and I left corporate America. Now, prior to that, I was worshiping at a big church, large church, big budget, part of the leadership there. And it was fantastic. I loved it. But uh, through some personalities, um, I want to say, not, let's not say personalities. Let's say that I had a fundamental awakening with my family that a large church probably wasn't the best way for God to use us. And we started spending more time here at Westminster. For a long time, we did double duty. And recognizing that the church is also a community as well. We sat down with Pastor Karen, who encouraged us to have a conversation with Pastor Gay at the time, and they interacted. And we knew that this was a fair transition. This was the proper thing to do. This is what God was leading myself and Vanessa and Maddie to leave Central to come to Westminster. Amen. Once getting immersed in Westminster and meeting everyone who's here and others who have gone on to be with the Lord, we knew that we were following the path of what God wanted us to do. Now... Thank you for saying amen, but let's not get it twisted and think that following God's path is a smooth <laughs> Autobahn highway. It's often quite rugged, rough, treacherous, dangerous, full of anxiety, lots of fear, and sometimes you got to push that vehicle or you got to walk and carry it. And that's part of my testimony, amen. that literally that is what my Christian life has been like. And I know that you all are going through something similar, whether it's a health issue, a personal crisis, a family crisis, uh, something to do with the community where you live. I mean, we're, we're here in Trenton. We're, we're in a post-industrial city that has lots of challenges. Mm -hmm. Again, if you want to hear that speech, <laughs> you're going to have to pay me. <laughs> and, uh, and also for the folks who have questions, I am not running for any political position. <laughs> I'm not part of any political campaign whatsoever. My whole focus is to build a better community for everyone by just being who I am. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that. So as we, as we transition, and I'm going to go back, and we had, so I had some health issues, and these health issues shocked me. Like, I've always been in good health. I took care of myself. I eat right. Um, I try to live within moderation of everything, and I just couldn't. I couldn't function. And I'm going to try not to get emotional. It's okay. But I remember the conversation with my general practitioner. Sorry. Who after a physical said, he came in, and it was like a soap opera. He comes in with a clipboard, you know, in his white jacket. And I'm sitting there in my drawers. <laughs> <laughs> 
and he throws the clipboard to the side, and he does one of those, we have to talk. I'm like, what? Like, what do you mean talk? Like, okay, I'm taking you out of work. Okay, cool. I mean, I figured it's going to be a weekend, you know, get a little extra sleep or whatever. He said, no, I'm taking you out. Minimum of six months. Six months? Like, I thought I came in and I needed a shot or something. Now I'm six months out of work? Lo and behold, the joy of that is that that's how awesome God is. Because we have this idea that we have to keep going and we've got to do all these things in this particular order. When that's not what God had in mind. Again, I will. That's not what God had in mind. And this road has been tough and it's been rocky. But I wouldn't change anything. Not one minute of it. The people I've met, the life experiences I've had, and most importantly, that so-called mountaintop experience. When I can see people having joy in their lives because of something that I was able to be a part of, to be in their presence, to have a conversation over a meal. So this message was, love thy neighbor as you love yourself. But it could have been anything. It could have been uh, walking by faith or anything of that nature. But I say love thy neighbor because the book of James has always been very important to me since I started my spiritual walk in Christianity. But the idea of love thy neighbor extends beyond me, which is what I believe is the real focus. If we are all created in the image of God, which could have also been this title, then it behooves us to treat each other like that. Amen. Amen. Regardless of your ethnic background, your language skills, your economic status, if you are created in the image of God and I am to believe that and live that out, then it's going to change the community. Yes. That is loving thy neighbor. Amen. Some practical things that I think about is shoveling snow, <laughs> picking up that package. Thank you for the time. Picking up that package from your neighbor. Being there for when your neighbor's children need to get into the house or they need a cup of sugar or some cat food. Thanks, Kathy. <laughs> Those simple, practical things. And I believe, just like everything else, we are all interconnected. Amen. Just like the body, it can't function when it has a virus or an illness. It can't function at its best. The, go, the same goes for the community. If our infrastructure as a city isn't proper, it's going to cause some problems and dis-ease or disease. It behooves us again to consider all of these different aspects, how we fit into this puzzle, how do we fit into God's plan to be part of the community. And I encourage you all to love your neighbor as you love yourselves. Amen. Thank you. Amen.